What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Yesterday, we started our conversation on Law and Disorder about Black missing girls and women in the state of California with Senator Aisha Wahab talking about the Ebony Alert. Today, we are going to begin localizing this issue to Oakland, California. Our first guest today is Selena Wilson, Executive Director of the East Oakland Youth Development Center, or EOYDC, whose mission is to develop the social and leadership capacities of youth and young adults ages 5 to 24 so that they can achieve excellence in education, career, and service to their communities. Good morning, Selena. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me, Kat, and for, you know, illuminating this really, really, really important subject. Thank you, Selena, for joining us today. For my guests who don't know, talk about the work of EOYDC and how long y'all have been around. Yes. So EOYDC has uh, just turned 45 years old, and uh, really we see ourselves as a community hub, as space to holistically develop and nurture our young people uh, throughout their educational journeys into careers. So for us, we focus on young people uh, from age five to age 24 in the areas of arts, education, wellness, and careers. Uh, And we also understand and appreciate the importance of culturally resonant, healing-centered approaches. Uh, And so, you know, historically, EOYDC has and continues to be a predominantly Black-led and um, Black-centered organization. And we also uh, really appreciate the importance of centering our brown babies in the community as well. So that's just a very high-level view. Um, And, you know, today I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who grew up at the center. I myself am an alumni and as somebody who now has the honor of stewarding the organization. Selena, you are, to that point, a proud Oakland native. How long has this issue of Black missing girls and women been pressing for the city of Oakland? It has always been an issue, frankly. Um, That being said, I think that um, the Internet and uh, different kind of forms of technology as well as um, frankly, progression in, you know, kind of guerrilla trafficking tactics has made it much worse over time. Um, but it unfortunately has always been an issue, uh, at least always in my memory banks and can remember elders, you know, speaking about some of these similar issues um, further back in time. But I, I think that, you know, as the ancestor Malcolm X said, Black women have always, unfortunately, been uh, the least protected, I think, in our community in many ways. We're going to get to your client shortly or your participant. I don't know what what language you use to talk about. You're amazing young people. But, Selena, in your growing up in Oakland, has this issue touched you personally? Very much so. Uh, Very much so. So, unfortunately, we've had a number of young people over time Uh, experience essentially kidnapping attempts. We're very blessed and fortunate that no one has been successful in that way. But certainly, and um, while no one has ever attempted to kidnap me to my knowledge, I definitely remember growing up and there being of 
you know, much, much, much older men starting at the age of 12, you know, uh, trying to approach me and sometimes it getting aggressive. Um, so I think that it has always been an issue. That said, I have thoughts on some of the, you know, protective factors that I had growing up have, uh, you know, decreased over the few years. So, for example, I think a lot of folks don't think about the intersection of displacement and the housing crisis in this issue. For me, I had the benefit of growing up in the same neighborhood, right? So there were always houses that I could stop at uh, where I knew people or people would see me and I knew my neighbors and they knew me. For our kids, they're often moved around so much that they don't get to establish that familiarity with folks in their neighborhood. One of many examples. Selena, and I, I heard that most very recently you did have one of your EOYDC participants uh, survive an attempted kidnapping. Can you tell us what happened? Yes. Um, unfortunately, that did happen recently. And in this instance, it was a essentially three-week process as far as we can tell. Um, and so this particular student of ours who's been with us since she was a uh, very small child and is now a recently just graduated senior in high school. Um, three weeks prior to the incident, she was leaving the center, actually going home uh, to her house in another area of East Oakland. And she was on AC transit bus and she noticed someone, a man appeared to be taking pictures of her. Uh, and she could hear him say to someone we need her, we need her, right? And so her ears perked up, um, and she actually covertly took a picture of him. Now, unfortunately, he had a mask on, but she could sense that something was wrong. Uh, three weeks later, this same person and another man approached her when she was walking home and tried to snatch her. And in her case, she... One, had been in boxing since she was a small child, and she happened to have a very large metal water bottle with her and was able to take the first swing, give her enough time to run away, and she ran home. That being said, you know, following that trauma, uh, I must say she was further traumatized by the system because, uh, you know, after this happened, she called our wonderful and beloved uh, previous CEO, Ms. Regina Jackson, who is on the police commission, um, to ask her for advice. And Ms. Regina advised her that she file a police report to ensure that this is in the system, that, you know, because we do know that, unfortunately, in some ways, you know, those are the kinds of things that determine where resources go to. And her and her mother went to the police station they were told that they couldn't take the report at the station, that they would come to her house, and then they did not show up. <laughs> so then it wasn't until Ms. Regina circled back that they were able to get the police report filed. And, you know, it, this is the kind of thing that, again, it, it was adding trauma on top of trauma, that somebody just saw me as an object to try to take me and then the people that are supposed to help me um, are not, right, which further shows that, like, wow, you know, folks are not valuing me as a person. 
And that looks up for me. I mean, Selena, EOYDC just joined a coalition of 20 plus other organizations that have declared a state of emergency around missing black girls and women in the city of Oakland. Oakland Police Department says while community members may have done that, we have not. Your response when we're looking at statistics that are that say that out of the 1500 missing people in Oakland, 400 of those are black women or girls. Yeah, so incidentally, this group we were already a part of in this coalition, we've been focusing on the state of emergency when it comes to um, the safety of our community for, at this point, probably years. But we recognize the need to redirect and hyper-focus on this issue affecting our Black girls and women, um, which ranges from these kind of, um, you know, kidnapping attempts to guerrilla trafficking efforts to increased uh, attacks otherwise, even on our elders. Um, And so, you know, we've been doing the work, and this is work that we've been doing uh, from a heart space. You know, this is not like an initiative that we're seeking, you know, we've been uh, filing grants for and all this kind of stuff. This is folks from the community and or deeply tied to the community getting out and doing the work. And, you know, I think one of the things that was very uh, telling is that when this incident happened with our participant uh, and we kind of put the APB out there, we then heard of nine other stories within a, within a two-week period of that as well. Um, and when we approached, you know, the police department and others, they had they didn't have any of that data, right? And so, you know, it's we we recognize the ways in which like the system unfortunately has continued to really fail to address this issue from even collecting the information to then deploying supports and resources. So we've really decided to uh in this the tradition of our elders and ancestors at the Black Panther Party to, you know do what we have to do to defend our community, uh, going everywhere from educating folks and raising awareness to talking about strategies to keep one safe. We're in the process of uh, getting some self-defense classes started. Um, I feel like I missed one aspect of your question, (laughs) but that's just kind of an overview of some of the many things that we're trying to do. I think you got around to it, and we're going to talk to a couple other members of the of the coalition. I am, though, Selena, interested in tugging at a thread that, that you started earlier. Like, you mentioned the fact that you had consistent um, housing, right, and the intersection of gentrification mm-hmm. and displacement with this issue. Are there other issues that folks may not readily go, oh, that too contributes to the problem here? Absolutely. I mean, I think that... Um as I mentioned before, technology is being leveraged um, in ways that I think even myself before this issue uh, really came to the forefront in this manifestation was aware of. So things as simple as the use of air tags. Uh, Now, to our knowledge, that hasn't happened with any of these particular girls, but we do know that air tags can be used without your permission or consent to trace you. Um, we, we know that uh, social media can be used to groom uh, people, particularly vulnerable people, 
uh, which brings us to another point of intersection. We know that the kids and even adults who are most likely to be exploited and preyed upon by predatory traffickers and others are those who are most rejected and marginalized in our community. So our queer kids, our trans kids, our kids who have struggled to excel academically, our kids who for whatever reason are not considered to be compliant enough or whatever, whatever it is about the kind of expectations that, you know, society has, the respectability politics, whatever it may be, those kids are way, way vulnerable to being groomed and uh, then being trafficked. And I will say one of the 10 stories that we heard uh, wasn't in terms of uh, abductions was not started as a snatch and grab. It started as a slow grooming process on social media, meeting up for one legitimate date. And then next thing I know, I you pull up in a car full of, of men and won't let me out the car. Um, and I have to figure out how to escape, right? And so I think, you know, not to, we know that technology and social media can be a wonderful tool, but it can also be used for very nefarious purposes. So we have to, have to, have to be able to teach our young people about um, internet safety. And, you know, one of the things that came up at the panel last week, like I said, is, you know, one of the young people mentioned how sometimes adults make her feel like if she's wearing the wrong thing or if she's presenting herself in a certain way, she deserves bad treatment, right? And that's the kind of rhetoric and energy that we as adults need to disrupt because it's so harmful and it opens up those kids for risks when we reject them. So we have to practice radical acceptance of our young people so that predators don't have the space to love bomb them and groom them because we are loving on them hard. That's right. All right, Selena Wilson, I've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, darling. We've been speaking to Selena Wilson, Executive Director of the East Oakland Youth Development Center, or EOYDC, whose mission is to develop the social and leadership capacities of youth and young adults ages 5 to 24 so they can achieve excellence in education, career, and service to their communities. That takes us to 823 in the morning here on Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Our next guest on this topic is Jennifer Lyle, Executive Director of Missy, an Oakland-based organization working to prevent girls and gender-expansive youth from entering circumstances of sexual exploitation and violence. They also support young people who are experiencing exploitation to transition to a more self-determined life. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Kat. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show today, Jennifer. Jennifer, for my listeners who don't know, what is Missy's work and how long have you all been around? So Missy's been around for 15 years. This is our 15th year. And like you said, we work with the systems and the schools and young people to prevent them from ever coming into circumstances of sexual exploitation. And if they are being exploited, we support them to leave and thrive. Jennifer, what does prevention look like? What is that work? Yeah. And it's a lot about, and, you know, you know, connecting to some of the things that Selena was saying is we need to impact the conditions that lead 
to young people getting into sexual exploitation. So no young person wakes up saying, I want to be exploited and harmed. Um, but the, the systems within which they live and exist um, create circumstances that create pathways for that. So what we do is we work with schools, we work with um, social welfare systems, we work with housing to create conditions that prevent pathways into exploitation. We also do education and training so that we understand what is our responsibility as adults um, to prevent young people from being um, attacked, from being assaulted, from being lured into exploitation. Do you know about pathways? We hear a lot about the school to prison pipeline. Can you call, talk about the school to the track pipeline? It's the same pipeline. Um, it's just a different, you know, avenue. So um, young people who are have experiences of significant trauma, um, our schools, our systems are not prepared to identify them or serve and support them. And so what often happens is these young people are set aside, set aside, set aside. Um, they exhibit behavior that makes sense for someone who has experienced trauma, but is difficult for teachers and systems to address. And so they are eventually set out and set aside, and they eventually just leave school or they're put out. And so there's someone outside waiting for them. There's an exploiter waiting. Um, and, you know, those situations are set up so that they're, you know, young people who don't have a place to go, they don't have food, they don't have housing, um, someone's saying that we'll set you up with that. And that's what they do. Um, and it's the same with the school to prison pipeline in terms of, you know, you can either, you know, steal and thieve and drug, or you can be exploited. But it's, it's an, it's a, you could be exploited sexually. But the pipeline is the same. And what we do is we look at the young people and say that they're broken, and we don't look at the systems and acknowledge that those are the things that are broken. Jennifer, we heard Selena use this uh, term grooming uh, a few times. Can you talk about what that is? Sure. So if we look at these young people who um, have been rejected by systems, don't have um, strong networks of adults and family um, that are able to support them, there is someone who can easily identify that. And so they start a relationship with them. Sometimes that happens online, that can happen on the street, but it is really about giving this young person attention, affection, care um, that is needed, that's natural and what every young person needs. But the intention is to have them and to be able to exploit them and take advantage of them. It is not to be in a caring situation. So once that, that young person who has holes in their, their care, once this groomer is filling those holes, then they create conditions that that young person feels obligated, right? Or that young person is constantly seeking that grooming um, and wanting that to continue. So that's how the young people are pulled into exploitation. 
And families often ask me, how do I prevent my daughter from getting exploited? And I think a lot of people anticipate my response will be, oh, we'll tell her to dress a certain way. It's not that. It's let your child know that she is important, that she has rights, that she is entitled, and that she is important and special and, and wonderful. Because groom, groomers can't fill holes, can't fill something that is not a hole, right? And so if young people know that they have reliable adults, reliable systems, exploitation is so much more difficult. Jennifer, part of what we were talking about with Senator Wahab and and a little bit with Selena this morning is the act of abduction. How much of a pathway into trafficking is abduction of black girls in the city of Oakland? It's It's a major pathway. And I want to be clear about how some of this abduction happens. A lot of it is happening through the grooming. So a lot of uh, exploiters develop relationships with young people um, before they draw them in. So a lot of what looks like and sounds like and appears to be abduction is abduction, but it's, it's an abduction by someone that they, often that they know. So it's, you know, hey, I meet you online, I'm talking to you on the phone, and then eventually, you know, let's meet on International and 16th or International and 20th and, you know, just want to go, let's go get something to eat or, you know, want to hang out. Um, So that's a lot of how it it happens. Um, And so what we want people to understand is it's important to know who the young people in your life are talking to. And what abductors do or these groomers do is they, they try to isolate you. So they try to say, you know, your friends who are telling you that I'm no good are stupid. Your parents are trying to control you. Um, so don't listen to them. Come with me. And then this young person is in a situation where they're, you know, they, they made a decision, they made a bad decision, and it's harder for them to get out, right? Um, and this groomer, this abductor, spends a lot of time isolating them and psychologically controlling them. So leaving that situation becomes much more difficult. And then what we all know is no one is looking for them. So it's even even that much more difficult. And that's actually a good segue. I mean, we we did talk about it yesterday, but for folks who weren't listening, talk about um, 673, SB 673, the Ebony Alert, and how you're hoping this, uh, it will impact this dynamic. Well, you know, my, my concerns are that the lives of black girls and women have not been valued in the United States since we were brought here on boats. So part of this, this work and what needs to happen is our lives need to be valued. So if the Ebony Alert is going to do that, that's excellent. I hope it meets its, its goals. However, we need to also have a much more comprehensive understanding of what needs to happen in terms of the lives of black women and girls. And it's Ebony Alerts, it's healthcare, it's social services, it's mental health, 
and its schools. So if the Ebony Alert is going to require or compel law enforcement to actually start looking for girls, that's excellent. However, it doesn't mean that we have to, we, we're going to stop because we have always been the ones responsible for looking for our girls. Um, and we need to really elevate the issue of our lives and our safety and our thriving, not just in terms of missing and abduction, but like I said, in healthcare, in mental health. You know, there was a study just recently that showed that the suicide rates of black girls increased by 182%. So there's things going on across the board that we need to talk about and put our attention to. And you're going to talk about some of that in an upcoming event on June 24th. Tell our listeners about it. So on June 24th, we're inviting folks to come to, we're going to be meeting at the Parkway Theater from 3.30 to 6.30. And there are going to be um, a convening of a lot of folks who are in this community who are concerned about the lives of black women and girls and who are making change. So we're going to talk about what does it look like? Um, what are we seeing? And then we're going to talk about what we want to see change. How are people doing that currently? And then what is the work that we expect to happen? So we're inviting decision makers, policy makers, people who do the work, women and girls. Um, and it's, it's the beginning of a conversation because I think sometimes what happens is there are conversations, but there's no action. And so what we're doing um, is we're inviting all of us to be make this a call to action and then identify over the course of the next six months to a year the specific steps we are going to take to make policy change, social change, and just general change um, for the conditions of black women and girls, which will also have a con- uh, consequence for everyone who lives in this community. Jennifer, we've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>